is Baseball Tonight, the podcast. This is the Baseball Tonight podcast for Friday, November 4th, 2022, and today will be better than yesterday. Producing from the Schwink Studios in the foothills of Connecticut is Taylor Schwink. Sarah Abbott is working from the newly named Abbott Studios in Bristol, Connecticut on the campus of ESPN. And I'm Buster Olney in Philadelphia. Get ready to fly out to Houston. Um, guys, how about that World Series game last night? How much fun was that? Electric stuff, dude. I, I mean, I, I'll feel really smart if the Astros win in six, Buster. I'm sure you will, too. But uh, you know what? It's, it's, it's going on over the weekend. Let's get seven. Let's get seven here. Yeah, I'm not I'm not going to take credit for, for making that right call, Astros in six, if that happens, because I would have bailed on that after I saw here in game three. Uh, Sarah Abbott, because you uh, know how crazy this crowd is being a lifelong Phillies fan. Yeah, you know, it was really tough to watch last night because it was a great game, but it was also heartbreaking at the same time. For all the real lifelong Phillies fans, my heart goes out to you. Managers were introduced yesterday around baseball. Skip Schumacher in Miami, Pedro Grafol in Chicago, Matt Cotraro in Kansas City, but the focus was on Philadelphia. World Series Game 5, Justin Verlander, future Hall of Famer on the mound, everyone wondering if he could get his first World Series win. And you know what? Right away, Jose Altuve gave the Astros a chance. He gets to third base, and Jeremy Pena comes up with the infield drawn in. I'm actually surprised they're bringing the infield in like this, this early. I mean, if you can see the run, so be it. You have to score no matter what off Justin Verlander to be able to beat him, but you can. this could be a big inning if, you get, if it gets through. The 0-1, and it gets through. A ground ball up the middle and into center field for an RBI single. And Altuve and Pena combined to give the Astros a very quick 1-0 lead. And very quickly, the Phillies tied the score. Here's the 0-1 now from Verlander. Another high fastball, and it's ripped to right. And gone! Kyle Schwarber gets a hold of a high fastball and laces it into the seats in right to tie the game. Justin Verlander had that uh, rough first inning, allowing the home run to Schwarber, and then he began to make some adjustments. This was the bottom of the second. The 2-2 pitch and a swing and a miss. He got him. So Verlander silences the crowd and the Phillies leave the bases loaded. And we are through two exciting innings in a game that's tied at one. Noah Syndergaard started for the Phillies. And you know what? He was pretty good. The one thing that Rob Thompson decided was he was not going to leave Syndergaard in the game to face Jordan Alvarez second time through the order. And so Jeremy Pena was going to be Syndergaard's last hitter. This is what happened. Two and two the count as Pena lifts one in the air to left field. It's hit pretty well. Schwarber's back at the wall and will watch it go. Jeremy Pena lofts one into the seats in left for a home run, and the Astros go on top two to one. And Verlander got through the middle innings, got through uh, situations in which there were runners on base with his slider. And then he began pumping fastballs. His velocity in the bottom of the fifth inning was his best of the game, 96.5 miles per hour. 2-1 Houston, bottom five, and the 2-2 pitch, a swing and a miss to get him. And Verlander has now struck out four consecutive batters. Some big-time pitchers do. Eduardo Perez chiming in with Dan Schulman on ESPN Radio. Now the Astros had a chance to score in the top of the seventh. 1-1. 
And a swing and a ground ball to third. Runner coming home. Bones throw. And they've got Gurriel in a rundown. Real Muto runs him back to third. Stott runs him home. Hoskins has it now and puts the tag on Gurriel, who slipped. And Hoskins actually tumbled onto him and over him. But they do get the out on Gurriel for the second out. In the meantime, McCormick winds up at second base. Brian Abreu was among the relievers who followed Verlander. Abreu sets and fires, and it swung on and popped up over near third base. Bregman was playing in the shift, but he's got time to come over near the line, and he makes the catch, and the inning is over. Another great job, great job by Brian Abreu. And at the end of seven, it's the Astros two and the Phillies one. And the hitter in that situation was Bryce Harper. It was 3-1 to one in the bottom of the eighth inning, and you know what happened? The Phillies began to come back. Here's the 0-1 now to Segura, and he lines it to right field, and that's a base hit. Tucker has it on a bounce, but Castellanos will come in to score. Start around the third, and the RBI single makes it a 3-2 to two game. Now, when Yuli Gurriel was kneed in the head in that seventh inning rally, uh, he was taken off the field, and Trey Mancini was inserted to play defense in the bottom of the eighth inning for the first time in 29 days. And with runners at first and second base, this happened. The 1-2 to Schwarber with the runner going hit down to first. Wow. And a great stop by Mancini. And he stands up and steps on the bag. That ball was ripped. But Mancini with a tough short hop right in front of the base. And then stepped on the bag for an enormous out for the Houston Astros. Woo. And the Phillies would threaten again in the bottom of the night. One and one the count. And the next pitch swung on and hit in the air to right center. This ball's tagged pretty well. And back at the wall, jumping and making the catch is Chaz McCormick. Up into the scoreboard in right center. He makes a remarkable leaping catch. And the kid from Westchester, Pennsylvania, just broke the hearts of tons of Philly fans with an extraordinary play. Kid's going to have a highlight reel for the rest of his life. With two outs, this is what it sounded like. There goes Harper, and the 3-2 bounce to short. Charging Pena, sets his feet, throws, and gets him. Pena throws out Castellanos, and the Astros win the ball game 3-2 and take a 3-2 lead in the World Series. Right after that, I got a chance to talk with Justin Verlander right after he got his first World Series victory. Justin, how tense was that ninth inning for you? Where'd you watch it? Oh, my gosh. Um... In the locker room, I've had a few beers, um, a lot of nervous energy. Oh, man, you know, the eighth, uh, Presley coming in, holy crap, what a, what a job. Um, can't say enough about these guys. What was your reaction when Chaz caught that ball out in center? I, I, uh, I couldn't believe it. You know, I, I, uh, you know, off the bat, it looked like a pretty good hit. and um, I mean... Just what a play. I, 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 uh, my, my reaction was uh, uh, trying not to go nuts because we got another out to get, but uh, obviously quite excited. A home run that you allowed a Schwarber to start the game. There are runners on base, but you got through it. One run. How'd you do it? Oh, oh good question. What a grind. Um, that was a tough man. They, they had a really good game plan. Um, they obviously were trying to get on top of the heater after yesterday. Um, 
and so I was able to make some adjustments and finally find my off-speed stuff. I mean, it's really been evading me for, for a little while, and uh, especially the slider, was able to kind of click it and find my tempo and um, execute it, and really that was the difference maker. How impressed are you with this group to come into this ballpark and win two out of three, take it back to Houston? Yeah, I mean, it was rowdy here. The fans were fantastic. It was a lot of fun to play here. Um, but, uh, you know, we've, we've been here. You know, we've been in these big series before, and I, I feel like we were able to draw on that and um, use that to our advantage and um, not, not, let the, not let the crowd affect us too much. Your first World Series win. How good does it feel? Check that box. <laughs> it feels amazing. It, was, it wasn't as easy as I would like. But, uh, man, a win's a win. Um, feel great. Justin, thanks. Thanks. Yeah, so, guys, how about that? <laughs> he coming out telling me he's already had a few beers. I guess uh, so. If you if you don't know Justin Verlander and you, you're around him, you know, at, if you spot him on vacation or something, if he's speaking quickly, he's probably had a couple of drinks. That seems like his tell. I just loved at the beginning. I've had a few long pause beers. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I've got some stories. I got some stories in an interview uh, from last night to tell you when I, we speak with Carl Ravitch coming up here in a moment. Uh, I also spoke with Astros shortstop Jeremy Pena. Jeremy, how was that ninth inning? The ball goes up in the air. Chaz, go back, try to make the play. I mean, that's big time. You know, I always say big time players make big time plays, and that, that was, you know, a game saver. You know, shout out to Chaz. And, uh, yeah, great, great play. What does it say about this group that you're able to come into Philadelphia and take two out of three? I mean, we, we show up every day expecting to win. You know, that's what we've done all year. We show up looking to compete. And, uh, yeah, you know, we're going back to Houston now, and uh, the goal is to finish it out there. Now, you guys scored three runs. You're in the middle of all of them. And that first inning, you come up, they have the infield in. What was your approach? I mean, first of all, shout-out to Atuve for setting the tone from the jump with a leadoff triple, you know, making my job a lot easier, you know, and I was just looking for a good pitch to hit and put it in play, try to get the run in. Walk us through the breaking ball you hit for the home run. Same thing, you know, the, the plan, stick with it, you know, stick with the approach, look for a good pitch to hit and, uh, you know, just not miss it. What did you see in Justin Verlander tonight? You know, he does what Justin Verlander does best, you know, he, he goes out and competes, you know, he dominates and, uh, yeah, he, he battled today. You know, he battled today, and it was, it was good to see. Jeremy, congratulations. Here's Rob Thompson, the Phillies manager, on the Phillies failing to convert opportunities with runners in scoring position. I mean, they've got good pitching. Let's face that. But, um, but yeah, I mean, we just got to, you know, keep it simple, use the field, stay on the baseball. That's about it. Here's Astros manager Dusty Baker on Jeremy Pena. I mean, he came in to... Cam was a young player. He had his eyes open. He always paid attention. And uh, you could tell he was very attentive and, uh, and confident, but, you know, but quiet. And uh, he's, uh, he's, boy, he's played remarkably well. And, uh, uh, boy, I mean, he's really carried us for a while here. And, uh, you know, through this postseason. And that's especially tough for a young player, young shortstop. And uh, I'm just glad we have it. Taylor, what else you got? Buster, it's a football Friday. A little bit of a, a nice side dish while you wait for 
uh, the World Series to come back on Saturday night. And in the meantime, you can listen to all of our ESPN football podcasts or NFL podcasts, excuse me, the Mina Kime Show, the Dominique Foxworth Show, uh, Fantasy Focus Football, the Bill Barnwell Show, the Adam Schefter Podcast. You can listen to all of them wherever you're listening to this podcast right now. Dogs are an important part of our lives, and keeping them protected is a top priority, especially against nasty parasites. That's why you got to check out NexGuard Plus, a Foxaloner, Moxidectin, and Pyrantal chewable tablets. NexGuard Plus chews provide one and done monthly protection that kills fleas and ticks, prevents heartworm disease, plus it treats and controls roundworms and hookworms. That's a whole lot of protection packed into a delicious beef-flavored soft chew designed to make monthly dosing easy and enjoyable. So the next time you're at the vet, ask about NextGuard Plus Chews. They're the one-and-done monthly parasite protection you want for your dog. Used with caution in dogs with a history of seizures or neurological disorders. Dogs should be tested for existing heartworm infection prior to starting preventive. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. All aboard. It's the Revy Train with Carl Ravitch. Carl Ravitch, the host of Baseball Tonight. You've seen him all over SportsCenter during the World Series. Ravi, uh, what a game. That that was a phenomenal game five. So much fun, so much drama, and so much happiness. Uh, you, you, know, you heard the interview that Justin Verlander did with me after the game. He walked up to me, and I felt like I got just hit by this cloud of alcohol, like that spell, <laughs> and then immediately volunteers that, which I thought was – you know what? The guy is having a moment of his life. He's super happy. Uh, he had tons of energy. I, I thought it was cool and good for him. And he's an adult, so he can do that. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I, you know, part of me said that this just shows you as much as we made about his 0-6 ERA and, you know, David Cohn, who's so good at what he does and has been in that spot before, you know, said, look, it's not a it's not a psychological thing. It's not a physical thing. He's probably going to have a great game because he's a generational type talent, which he then did. But as a human being, you do yeah. start to wonder, like, what is going on here? I, I am better than this and I pitch well enough to win. It's almost as if are things beyond my control. Like, is my team not going to score any runs for me in a World Series game or enough? And is some uh, the opponent going to get a cheap couple of hits? Or are we going to make an error? Whatever it is, at some point, it had become clear, given his relief, that it was a thing. Like, you know what? I, I Just let me exercise this demon. Let me cross this bridge so I can at least have this conversation stopped. You know, Buffalo Bills, Marv Levy, can we win one? Like, no more wide right. At some point, it does take on a life of its own, and I think I'm feeling the same way. It's great. Yeah, Carl, it reminded me of 2020 when Kershaw raised its hands over his head when the Dodgers won the World Series. The joy in Justin's face, um, you know, I, I knew when I interviewed him, I was like, okay, how do I structure this? 
because I knew, uh, you know, I I was like, it didn't feel appropriate to go right off the bat. Like, you check that box, you want a World Series game because it's such a big game for the Astros with everything that went on. But when I asked the question, wow, the look on his face, the big smile, <laughs> you know, because I kind of felt bad for him the way that I did for Kershaw because you're talking about a guy who should be unanimous selection for the Hall of Fame when his name pops up on the ballot, and yet there's this thing, right, this one box that's not checked. Yeah. And, you know, it was really – I thought he was a fascinating watch last night because obviously yeah. the Schwarber homer – and it was a struggle early. And then all of a sudden, in like the third, fourth innings, when he needed to make a huge pitch after that meeting on the mound, they went to a breaking ball. And, boy, did, did that last for a while. Like, he became dominant in the fourth and even the fifth inning where you're like – he he found it like this is the guy that just locked it in and it wasn't so easy and and as good as he was let's just say the Phillies had tied the game up there's another really that was a great performance really good performance and and he wouldn't have gotten the win and that's where the win you know becomes almost a byproduct of so many things beyond your control. He pitched really, really well. And if it had been two, two, when he left, he wouldn't have gotten that victory. It's almost, it's almost sort of a, like the circumstances fell to him last night. A, he pitched great, which you have to do, but the offense had scored enough and the Phillies didn't get another run. So he was in line to get a win, but it wasn't, I'm sure he'd tell you, I pitched this way in other world series games. I got the win because we were ahead after five innings and, and the bullpen was able to hold it. But it, it, I, I almost look at that as like, yeah, I, I understand where the win itself has been reduced. I think for him, just that monkey off your back of, I, at least I can say I got one. I mean, I, I'm not 0-7. I'm not 0-6. You know, I, I have one, and I know that I can do this, and now everyone else knows I can do this. The other part was the embrace with Dusty Baker, which just just felt so so sincere and so authentic. And maybe another reminder: everybody is aware of of the elephant in the room here, and we just slayed it, which is which is a great thing for for those guys, no doubt. Yep, yeah that uh, that that was cool too. I got to see that live when when he was doing that. Uh, I. I you know, it's going to be a really meaningful time uh, for the Astros if, in fact, they're able to finish this off for Dusty, for uh, Justin Verlander, for some of the other players. I know you I've watched you do interviews with a lot of players after they win a World Series. And so I'm curious if you had that experience. I know you've had that experience where guys sit down with you and you're like, oops. They've had a bit to drink. I was going to tell the story about how uh, I think it was after the 2014 World Series, or maybe it was after Travis Ishikawa's walk-off home run. Sports Center asked for Jer- uh, Bruce Bochy to come out and to do an interview, and so I was sent in. Hey, go ask him if he'll talk. And and Bochy, known forever, looked at me and said, "You know, I've had some whiskey. I've had a few pops." And so I told him, "I said, Bochy, tell you what, you come out with me. I'll ask you some questions. If I think you're in trouble." then we'll just move on. <laughs> and he did fine. Like he worked through yeah. it. I'm sure you've had some moments like that too. Yeah. I, I you know, I think most of them are so soon after, um, yeah. but there's alcohol, there's certainly alcohol involved. So if, uh, if a player or a manager is, is affected by alcohol very rapidly, there's no question that we've had guys uh, on our set. And sometimes, yeah, it is 45 minutes an hour later. We've had the trophy, 
on the set and players would gather around and whether it was the Red Sox or, or the Chicago Cubs, um, heck, any one of them from 90, 96 on, they, they've all shown up and, and depending on the, the amount of time, but none of them, none of them ever were out of control. None of them. Did you ever leave and say, Oh boy, I, can, I think yeah. he just nailed it. Like we're, we're, we're in trouble. They were, it was such a relief. And I agree with you about the assessment of these, these Astros, um, you know, Baker for sure. If he's able to get his first, I found it interesting and I'm probably reading too deep into it, but a lot of the thoughts from Astros players, Bregman at the forefront, uh, how much, fun and joy they are having this time and you do have to think to yourself well i think because you they are winning and there's no cloud of or you being aware of how you got to this space it it feels like there's going to be a a rinsing for them that doesn't mean for the general public but a rinsing of 2017 and I think a lot of the relief and the joy comes from the fact that you know you're doing this the, the right way. And that's such a must be such a reaffirming feeling in your abilities, et cetera. And I think that's what I'm getting from some of these players. So one thing I love about the World Series is every year we get the these guys who are, you know, not household names, they're not superstar players, and they have big moments that will be replayed forever. Uh, And we had a couple of those last night for the Astros. Trey Mancini comes into the game after Yuli Gurriel, you know, got kneed in the head. The Astros said after the game, this was about his knee that he came out of the game. I don't know if I'm buying that. But Trey Mancini comes in to play defense for the first time in 29 days, okay? And you and I know that before every game, all these guys take ground balls, they take fly balls. But being in game action and having Kyle Schwarber stand there at the plate – you know, and hitting a ball 100 miles per hour plus down to you, uh, that that's not something that yeah, you can necessarily prepare for in a pregame workout. Here was Trey Mancini talking with Mark Berman of Fox 26 after the game about that play. Really special. Um, you know, it's, um, you know, in, in that situation with the go-ahead run on first base, I knew to stay close to the line, um, and I know how hard Schwerber pulls the ball, so um, you got to stay ready and almost be like a hockey goalie out there in a way. Um, with two outs there, you got to keep the ball in front of you, whatever you can do. Given what you've been through at the plate, what did it mean to you to make that play in that situation? It felt incredible. Um, you know, I'm, I'm definitely more used to, yeah, having an impact at the plate and, and um, you know, impacting games in that way, but um, it doesn't matter how you do it. Um, you know, and, and I knew after that at bat, like I said, um, wasn't thrilled, but I knew I had to go out there and play defense. And there's no time to dwell or feel sorry for yourself, especially in the World Series. And um, that's just how, how you have to go about it here, or else this game's going to eat you alive even more. Yeah, as it turned out, his biggest contribution to the Astro team, Carl, might be on defense. And then, you know, the next inning, Chaz McCormick, who grew up in the Philadelphia area, grew up a Phillies fan, makes this crazy play, smashing against the wall in right center field. And after the game, when he came running off the field, Carl, he 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 was just, he was flying. Like he's body slamming teammates and getting excited because he had this moment that never going to leave him. He'll be attached to him the rest of his life. It was one of the great catches we've seen in the World Series. It was a game-saving catch, the same way Mancini's 
I'm convinced that gets through him. That's in the corner. We're scoring from first base, and it's a whole, yep. you know, it's a different ball game. So, yeah, I mean, and I love this description. Mancini's anyway was the ball cannot get by me. If I have to tackle it, so be it. There was a lot of there was a lot of good that happened for Houston and Mancini there. Thank God it, it hit the glove and went in the glove. If that that bangs off his body, that could who knows where it goes. Um, and he was on the line. And again, a lot of these things, Buster. Dave Robertson is a you know a trade deadline acquisition for Dave Dombrowski. Trey Mancini, like did like they didn't really need Trey Mancini in Houston. And lo and behold. Guriel, who is such a great defender and makes that that infield even better than it already is, comes out of the game, and in the old baseball world, the ball will find you. And lo and behold, the ball found Trey Mancini. It's incredible. The ball found um, McCormick in, in right center field, making a, an historically great catch for a kid that grew up, as you said, going to Philadelphia Phillies games from uh, – Westchester, Pennsylvania. All, all of these things are what. Look, I, I don't want to romanticize it too much, but it what it's what makes this game so unique and so great. And to your point, these people like David Hensley, who was carrying around marble and tile during the pandemic, gets gets his first knock earlier in the World Series, gets on base again. Uh, all of these things that conspire to create World Series champions. It's not just the Javier's, the Verlanders, the Altuve's, and the Bregman's. You, you need everybody to make a contribution, maybe a small one, maybe a huge one. And last night, McCormick and Mancini had two huge ones, the, the M&M'ers last night. <laughs> so uh, I think you agree with me that the front runner for the World Series MVP at this point is a product of the University of Maine, played for the Black Bears, and that would be Jeremy Pena, Rookie, the guy who took over for Carlos Correa, they scored three runs last night. He was in the middle of all three runs, you know, singling through the drawn and infield, the first plate appearance, hitting the home run, getting the hit run later, Carl. Uh, he He's just been amazing. Yeah, so to, there's, a, there's a lot. A, the batting stance is unique. It's a little Pete Rose there, the way he kind of leaves that bat off of his shoulder. and But there's also some Derek Jeter in there uh, to me. Because it, it feels like, given Jeremy Pena's winning of the league championships MVP, and here he is on the World Series stage, and and there's nothing about his approach, his appearance. We talked about Christian Javi having this this incredible pulse. Pena's that guy, and that's almost weird when he when he rounds third and looks at his dugout and puts his hands up like Michael Jordan did the night that he couldn't miss three point shots. It's like, I can't explain it. And I think that's part of what makes him so great is uh, he's just that he's just that uniquely talented and has this, this way about him that makes you think like, wow, of all the players on this team. And I've been a, a big Bregman guy for a clutch hit. Pena may be that guy on this team for years to come. This is an amazing impact that he's having at such a young age and on his first World Series try. Like, it's coming very, very easily. He made a play last night on that high hopper where he charged it and picked the ball off just before it hit the ground and fired 
you know, first he, he really is unique. And I, he's got such a dang strong arm. You watch him take infield and he plants that front leg. Like nobody I've seen before for it and off of it gets such velocity and accuracy on it. It's uh it's a building block for Houston for years to come. And the only other guy I think that may take the or wrestle the MVP away from him is if Framber Valdez goes out and, and just was incredible in game six that, you know, he, then uh, because that's two, it would be two incredible, you know, World Series starts. One would be to get them the title. But, yes, right now Pena's the fronter. He's just been special. And what a nice, you know, humble young kid he is. And you mentioned he went to uh, a University of Maine. He grew up in Rhode Island. It, you don't get a lot of that from the Northeast. But, boy, he's he's got his feet on the ground. And that's that's a testament to how he was brought up and, and his abilities. It's a great combination. You would assume that Jim Crane, the owner of the Astros, is going to explore a, a team-friendly long-term <laughs> deal and, and get him paid and get him locked up as we go forward. All right, if you're the Phillies, um, obvious disappointment that you couldn't win one more game uh, in your home ballpark. But in game six, you've got the guy you want, right, Carl? That would be Zach Wheeler with two extra days of rest, maybe helping him deal with that fatigue that we saw in his previous start in the World Series and look, facing Framber Valdez is not going to be easy, especially with the confidence that Framber has. But Zach Wheeler's a guy who can dominate a lineup with his stuff. Yeah, he can. And I think obviously that's what the Phillies are hoping for, that that somehow the extra rest and the adrenaline is able to carry him for four, five innings uh, without giving up damage. And you turn it over to your high leverage guys. No question about it. But you know, you are you are wishing wishing a little bit that that he was fully healthy, and it may be that nobody's fully healthy right now. But he does depend greatly on a fastball that's got serious movement at 98, and when it's 94, it's hittable. Um, and look, I think you know you and I watched that game together a lot last night. You are reminded of the pitching depth that the Astros enjoy the advantage over the Phillies. If Wheeler can give you four or five, you know who you got left. And and look, it may be an Andrew Bellotti night where he gives them an inning plus, and it's great. But for the most part, you you got Alvarado, you got Dominguez, and then there's then there's a gray area where the Astros parade arm after arm after arm, and I would I would suggest some arms we haven't even seen that are that are better equipped than some of the guys that the Phillies have depended on. So, yes, but there's there's there, there's sort of, you know, guarded optimism in what you're going to get out of Wheeler. You just hope, because this series has been so great, that he is able to perform and and do his job to the best of his ability. Because these, these games have been great. Last night was the best World Series game, I think, of all of them. I mean, that game had literally everything, including – the first inning when they had what first and second and Guriel's at third base with Guriel's at third base, nobody out and they can't get him in. Like that game could have been a blowout and it turned into the best world series game for me this year. Yeah. I love the The fact that the pitchers had to navigate their way. Uh, Verlander oh. doing that, you know, by ramping oh. up his velocity in those last two innings, that great bullpen, five runs allowed for the Astros bullpen in the postseason in 51 innings. Carl, before you go, I was going to mention this. 
there is a really, really interesting choice being set up if this series goes to goes to a game seven. Uh, the Phillies are uh, almost certainly going to pitch Ranger Suarez, who looked good uh, in his start in game three. And on the flip side, the Astros potentially could start Lance McCullers, fully rested. He got pounded by the Phillies in game three. Or Christian Javier, who, as you know, completely dominated for six innings, uh, contributed to that combined no-hitter. And my sense from listening to Dusty before the game last night is that it would be McCullers who got the ball. And because I asked him about Javier and his availability in a game seven, he said, well, maybe for a couple innings. And the way that he said it, it surprised me a little bit. And I think it surprised some of the other folks in the room because I had assumed that, you know what, Javier was so good and McCullers struggled so much that, you know, he he's going to start Javier. But I don't think that's the way he's leaning. And as you know, Dusty trusts his veterans. Yeah, I, I would probably lean towards starting McCullers as well. Look, all of the analysis of whether he was pitch tipping or not, and there was some there was some pretty good evidence, you know, certainly from Eduardo Perez on our show, of a glove and the way he was holding it for his two different pitches. Like that's an that's the easiest thing in the world to clean up if you're McCullers and the Astros and you believe it. And that's why I would think when he's not doing that then the Phillies aren't going to know exactly what pitch is coming. And there were at-bats where the Phillies looked confused. I mean, there was a Schwarber swing against one of the pitches that McCullers threw where it almost looked like he thought it was going to be one pitch and it was another. And McCullers acknowledged he may do that with his glove and then double double down on it and, and change the pitch that you expect is coming. I just don't think that's going to be a big issue. And I think he knows that Javier uh, is able to come out of the bullpen Yes, he's a loyalist. I think McCullers can clean some of that stuff up. But if we get to a game seven, the, the leash isn't short. The leash doesn't exist. So soon as there's <laughs> anything, we're getting bullpens up and you're coming out. It, there is no short leash. There is no long leash. There's no leash. Like we, th- That's it. If, if I sense this is bad, you're coming out. So, yeah, I could see starting McCullers. I, I wouldn't have a... I wouldn't have an issue with it. You got more arms than anybody. If it's if it's bumpy, you get them right out. Yeah, it was interesting uh, before the game yesterday. Dusty said, "There's no leash for for Justin Verlander," and he had people warming up in the second, third, fourth, and fifth yeah, innings. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. You know, future Hall of Famer. So it, it, it that's just the nature of this time of year. All right, Ravi, thanks for doing this. Great stuff. Talk to you soon. We're driven by the search for better. When it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit 
to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com slash buster. Just go to indeed.com slash buster right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash buster. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Vivid Seats wants to get you to the games you love this spring. Experience every pitch, assist, and game-winning shot live and in person. And the best part? Each transaction is a step toward a free 11 ticket with Vivid Seats rewards. Score unbeatable perks like free tickets, surprise seat upgrades, and annual birthday deals. As the official ticketing partner of ESPN, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with Code Baseball. That's Code Baseball. Visit VividSeats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats. Experience it live. This is the Numbers Game with Sarah Langs. Sarah Langs, reporter, producer for MLB.com. Sarah, how you doing? You, you, you left Philadelphia last night and you drove home overnight. That's kind of crazy. <laughs> hey, you know, baseball uh, postseason, we got to do what we got to do. I know Taylor always talks about it as uh, no sleep October, and now we have no sleep November. So, you know, had to do it, got here back ready to watch some games from home now but so grateful to have gotten to see those three incredible games in person so you agree with me i'm guessing that that right now jeremy payton would be the mvp of the world series he's a front runner right now what do you think oh totally and he joined uh levon hernandez as the only rookie to win both LCS and World Series MVP in the same year. He did that with the Marlins in 97, which is also fun because, uh, yeah, I just feel like there are a lot of parallels with those teams and everything. But I agree. I mean, that home run and his defense. I mean, I don't think you usually win World Series MVP for defense, but I think in a series like this, you can point to some plays he's made and sort of make the argument with that as well, with the home run and everything else. Let's play the numbers game. Number three. Number three is six. So the Phillies last night, yes, they were losing by the time they got to the bottom of the first. But then Kyle Schwarber got the crowd right back into it with a leadoff home run. So I was curious, how many teams have hit a leadoff home run the game after being no hit. And this list is amazing. So they were the sixth team in MLB history to do it. The last time a team was no hit and then hit a leadoff home run in the next game they played was after Roy Halladay's no hitter in the 2010 NLDF. So there have been three no-hitters in postseason history, and two of them have been followed by that team hitting a leadoff home run the next time. And then there's a couple others in the regular season. The time before that 2010 Brandon Phillips home run uh, at Citizens Bank was actually an April game by the Giants after being no-hit in Philly by Kevin Millwood. So for some reason, a lot of Philly energy with this one. Number two. Number two is 79%. So 
in postseason series with the current 2-3-2 format when they've been tied 2-2 and the team wins game five on the road, so headed home for game six and seven. Those teams have finished off the series win 19 of 24 times. That's 79%. And in all best of seven postseason series, so not just 2-3-2. When they've been tied after four, that game five winner goes on to win the series 45 of 64 times. That's 70%. Number one. Number one is seven. So, despite everything I just said, we have the fact that the last team to clinch the World Series in its home ballpark in front of their fans was the 2013 Red Sox. So, since then, each of the last seven World Series that have been played in teams' home ballparks, so we're excluding 2020, have been clinched on the road. And that is the longest streak of road clinches in World Series history. I feel like this is probably going to end this weekend, but it is pretty crazy it's gone on so long. And, you know, I mean, just for a baseball perspective, I hope it ends only because you want to see the team able to celebrate with that home crowd. And the fact we haven't seen that in almost 10 years is really crazy. Yeah, it is. The, the, I saw that uh, tweet you sent out. And I was like, oh, my God, that is, that's absolutely nuts. Uh, Greg Colley is the producer of Baseball Tonight, someone you know well. This is what he had to say about you. Your all-time favorite Baseball Tonight teammate here. And please don't feel the need to go apologize to everyone else. But we go all the way back to the beginning, Sarah, since that cafeteria conference room where you fit into this group since day one. Your passion for the sport has been obvious, and your desire to contribute to it is endless. So much so now that you, slangs on sports, are a part of the game's fabric. You and your information and your tweets have become second nature to fans listening to games and following online. You have always been there for the game of baseball and the people in it. And now, Sarah, the game of baseball and its people will be here for you. Baseball is the best. Sorry. Thank you. He said you would know what uh, that would mean, that you have it. Now, one thing about Greg, you know this, is that when, uh, when we're in the room uh, watching games together and he's uh, getting ready for the show, there's always lots of debate going on. So I'm going to throw this question to you because this surprised me. I was telling Carl about this. Uh, when we were talking to Dusty before game five, and we kind of kicked around game seven, I asked him if Christian Javier would be available to start that game or pitch in that game. He kind of shrugged his shoulder and, well, you know, maybe a couple of innings. Uh, after, because I, I thought going into the room that when we asked him about who was going to pitch, Lance McCullers or Christian Javier, he was definitely going to go with Christian Javier. That is not the case. That would be an interesting decision for Dusty if we get to a game seven. Who would you start? First of all, I have to thank Kali. Thank you so much for uh, those kind words. That's uh, really wonderful to hear, and I certainly, uh, yeah, that's very much like him, and I appreciate it so much. To the question, yes, he is the king of, you know, throwing around these debates as we watch games. So much fun. I love that so much. I mean, I still would lean toward Javier, but you know that on three days rest, he can't give you quite as many innings. He's probably not going to give you six innings. 
So maybe it is McCullers and first sign of trouble, Javier comes in. We've seen this team able to be resilient when they need to be. So as long as McCullers isn't out there to give up, you know, multiple home runs again, he could still get them into a spot where it could work out. I also wonder, I mean, you know, Dusty Baker's pitching decisions, these have all been storylines for a long time now, like 20 years. But he's also Dusty. I wonder how much is what he's choosing to say right now versus what we might actually see happen on Sunday because uh, we know he's capable of sort of pulling that as well. Yeah, he did that before yesterday's game. As you know, he basically said about Justin Verlander, oh, there's no leash with him. And then he immediately had guys up in the bullpen <laughs> because the games are so important when uh, when Justin got in trouble early. All right, Sarah, thanks for doing this. Thanks so much for having me, Buster. Enjoy the weekend games or game. Can't wait. Let's give some context to Chaz McCormick, who made that incredible catch in center field in game five. Uh, Dan Schulman, by chance, had an interview with Chaz before game four. So the context isn't exactly right, but I wanted you to get a feel for how much of a Phillies fan Chaz McCormick was growing up and so how much of a you know, great moment this was for him on the field in game five. Chaz, I promise not to make this all about you growing up near here, but you know it's a it's a big story. What was it like walking in here on the other side for a World Series game last night? Uh, it was incredible. Even just uh, getting called out for the uh, intros and hearing those boos, I couldn't I couldn't take the smile off my face. Um, yeah, no, it was it was cool just getting out there early and checking out the field, and then um, you know even even right before the game, just seeing the red the red towels throughout the whole stadium. Um, you know, I've, I've Felt like 10 years ago when I was watching Phil's on TV. Um, but, yeah, there's no better feeling than getting out there last night. Did you come to a lot of games when you were a kid? Um, I went to a few, not many. None of the postseason games, but I, I watched tons of games. So last night, Ryan Howard and Shane Victorino and Cole Hamels, were those all your guys when you were a kid? Yeah, they, all of them. Um, yeah, I couldn't stop looking at the screen. Um, there, was, there was a lot of them. They had the 08. Phillies. I think they had some of the even older Phillies uh, throughout the first pitch. That was cool how they threw them throughout to the 08 Phillies. Um, and even even some of the Eagles. I'm a big Sixers fan too. Saw Brandon Graham, T- Tobias Harris, Tyrese Maxey. Yeah, I just felt like I was at home. <laughs> but whatever people you had here, family, friends, they're wearing orange and blue, I assume, in the, in the stands last night? Uh, they better be. Yes, <laughs> they better be. <laughs> yeah, no, no red this time. Yeah. Once the game started, were you able to kind of put that all behind you and just focus on the game? Yeah, I mean, it's the World Series. Phillies are a great team, so you, you really have to focus. Um, but, yeah, I, I felt surreal at times, you know. It's, but I tried to enjoy every every second of it, you know. It's, it was uh, it's a childhood dream, and and uh, there's no better feeling playing at a, at a park that you used to grow up watching. You got a base hit off Aaron Nolan, two at-bats last night. What do you take from game one into this one tonight? Yeah, um, you know, just trying to stick to my approach, um, you know, looking for walks. I mean, it's a World Series. They're not going to throw everything middle-middle. Everything's going to be around the zone. I know Nola throws a lot of strikes. You know, he hasn't walked many guys this year. He's a really good arm. Um, So you got to be really patient with all these guys. Um, But, yeah, just stick with my approach. You know, look for something middle away, my strength. and, you know, be ready to hit his, hit his fastball. And, you know, he's going to throw some curveballs as well. But he knows exactly where to throw it, so you got to be patient. Bleacher Tweets. 
Alrighty, Buster Bleacher tweets for a Friday. Let's go to Pat Johnson at the Melting Pat. Pat writes in: Can a player refuse to be interviewed in the dugout during a game, or are they contractually obligated to do that? No, Pat, they don't have to do it. Um, in fact, they get a little bit of money if they do do it. It's like a little motivation. I want to say it's like ten thousand um, dollars. And so it's a uh, you know the, the players like that. You know, like a little bit of of uh, chip money. And I Phillies have been great, huh? Like I oh, like yeah. the in-game interviews. I think it's tremendous, and I think most of the players are comfortable with it. We've talked in the past about how Bryce Harper seems very much at ease. You know, uh, putting on a microphone, talking to folks during the game. Oh, yeah, he's completely unfazed. Also, I should know that Sarah Abbott's eyes got huge when you said they got paid 10 grand to do those 30 second <laughs> interviews. <laughs> OK, I will do a 30 second interview for 10 grand. <laughs> now you're a lifelong fan. You've just become a lifelong fan of 10 grand is what There's you're an angle. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's go to Cubs fan at CU8S fan. This person writes in uh, Rob Manfred saying, uh, reach is the biggest problem of baseball and then blacking out all playoff games from their own app is the most ironic and sad thing I've ever heard. Lots of people talking about the blackouts in general. Um, yeah. You know, him saying that comment, I, I think that's very interesting. What do you think? Yeah, I, I, look, I, I felt the same way, too. There there were some answers he had there. I would have loved to have an opportunity to push back, but we're kind of in a, mm-hmm. you know, had a six minute limit or a seven minute limit. And uh, it wasn't really the forum to do that. Um, I also would, you know, at some point, Major League Baseball Player Association, they need to work in concert. You know, the other day I was having a conversation with a you know, longstanding player uh, before one of the World Series games. And he was talking about like there there doesn't it still feels like there's just not that much collaboration to try to find ways to get better. That would be one way to do it for sure. Mm. Uh, we got an interesting one. We're going to close it on this because we didn't get a ton of questions. Listeners, send them in, please, over the weekend. Um, but we got a, I, I don't can't make any sense of this. This is from I am Jared's live journal uh, at CB Gary. He writes in, would you rather win NL rookie of the year or World Series MVP? Go O's. Um, uh, well, I think he's saying which which award would mean more. And I think the World Series MVP because you of course. get to be. <laughs> Yeah, you'd want to win a championship. Jeremy yeah. Pena, I think, has a legitimate chance right now. He's my front runner to win the MVP. What about you guys? I think uh gotta be or Christian Javier. I mean, that display no. that he put on. No, no, no. no. Okay. Jeremy wow. Pena. Christian wow. Javier's had one appearance. Yeah, well, it was a good one, Buster. And if he has it to, was a good one. If he has to perform in game no. seven. All right. All right. As no, of right okay. now, it was the question. Fair enough. Okay, well, that's it for Bleacher Tweets. Send in more Bleacher Tweets over the weekend, and please follow, rate, and review this podcast wherever you listen to your podcast. Thanks, everyone. That's it for today. My thanks to Sarah, Ravi, Sarah, and Taylor. Have a great day, everybody. Thanks for listening. Stay safe, and remember, hate and inequality based on skin color is something we need to fight against every single day.